Hi, I'm Julia from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Hey, I'm Laura from Berkeley. I'm Noah from Silver Spring. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like me. You should support the show like I did. Visit MaximumFun.org slash donate. I'm Jesse Thorne, live on tape from my house in Los Angeles. It's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm your host, Jesse Thorne. Welcome to the show. A few months ago, we were live in Washington, D.C., and I talked to one of my all-time favorite hip-hop bloggers. In fact, one of my favorite bloggers of any type, Andrew Nas. He goes by his last name, Nas, when he's writing his popular hip-hop blog, Cocaine Blunts and Hip-Hop Tapes. Cocaine Blunts is full of insights, the kind of insights that have gotten Andrew a gig uh, writing for the Washington City paper and commenting for National Public Radio. It's sort of like this old hip-hop magazine called Murder Dog. I think Murder Dog is out of business, but it it used to specialize in things like in-depth articles on, say, the the Kansas City, Missouri, or or Fresno, California hip-hop scenes. In an era when most hip-hop blogs just post the latest Rick Ross singles and leave it at that, Andrew's writing is full of insights and depth, and he's always finding the next amazing thing from some weird town somewhere. Now, we had intended to play this on the radio show, but we needed something good to pair it with. And uh, unfortunately, all the hip-hop guests we've booked in in the past six months or so have flaked on us. Uh, Shock of all shocks. So we decided that uh, while we may still play this on the radio, if we get a good thing to pair it with, we didn't want to deny you the opportunity to listen to it for any longer than we had to. So since there's a rerun on the radio today, we thought we'd share this with you as a podcast. So... Let's go to the stage of The Sound of Young America live in Washington, D.C., and my conversation with Cocaine Blunts blogger Andrew Knotts. Andrew, welcome to The Sound of Young America. It's great to have you here. Um, How long have you been blogging about hip-hop? I started the blog in 2003. And that's that's sort of early days for hip-hop blogging. What, What else was on the scene when you started? Very few blogs. I mean, there was... Oliver Wang, who did his Soul Sides thing, and I think Jay Smooth was doing hiphopmusic.com. Why did you think that that was a good venue for you? What did you want out of that? Um, I kind of accidentally fell into it. I was doing, because I was doing college radio at the time, and I started blogging just because it was an easy way to kind of accumulate playlists for my radio show, and then eventually that kind of evolved into me making little comments and putting MP3s up, and then people started reading it. What do you think it was about it that people started liking? Um, I'm not sure. I think it kind of... We always approach the radio show, and I've always approached my writing as kind of like a wide-frame survey of hip-hop where I'll look at, you know, judge weird southern rap from Alabama on the same level as, you know, the classics from New York. And I don't know if anybody was really putting all that stuff on the same playing field before I started blogging. Why, why did you want to do that? Hip-hop has a very, uh, re- has very specific regional aesthetics. Um, and I think people may think of, of hip-hop as being this kind of unified chart-topping phenomenon headlined by Kanye West and Jay-Z. But why did you want to talk about Gucci Mane, for example? Um. See, people are laughing at that. that well, it is. It sounds ridiculous when I say <laughs> yeah. Gucci Mane. No, but I mean, that's why I wanted to I talk mean, about it. That's Andrew, what... let's try some others. Glasses Malone. 
You see? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean... Lil Boosie. All right, you're really enjoying this now, huh? Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, um, basically, all of those artists are important. Not necessarily Lil Boosie, but the Lil Boosie... <laughs> no, but uh, the Lil Boosie of 1990 is important to, you know, the people you're hearing on the radio today. I think people who just have kind of a casual interest in hip-hop only see the stars who, who have exploded out of these scenes. Like someone like Lil Wayne is part of a much larger community and timeline of New Orleans hip-hop that dates back to the 80s. And you miss a lot of the nuances in his music if you've never heard, you know, Partners in Crime or, you know, DJ Jimmy and all these guys that he came up studying. And it's not like, it's not a matter of just influences, but he'll do remakes of these songs. And because Lil Wayne, for all his pop stardom, is still completely concerned with making music for his immediate community so yeah i mean i just wanted to provide context for that it seems like hip-hop uh, more than any any other pop music genre is about a conversation between artists or a conversation within a community as much as anything else well i mean it's so it comes out of sampling so so much of it is self-referential where you're drawing on you know hits that you grew up listening to and hits that might be unknown to most people, but really resonated with you, yeah. What's an example of an artist that, that means a lot to you personally um, and that you would like, that you have highlighted on Cocaine Blunts that might not mean something to the casual uh, Little Wayne Jay-Z fan? Um, I mean, probably someone like Goody Mob who were, you know, peers of Outkast. They came up in the same group, same collective, the Dungeon Family, and they were some of the most important Southern rappers. Like, they really blew the door open as far as Southern rap getting any national publicity, and they made two near-perfect rap albums that were just well thought out and people well People may know uh, CeeLo as uh, half of um, uh, his thing with Danger Mouse that I've forgotten right, the name right. of. Gnarls Barkley. Gnarls Barkley. They, I don't care don't for it Forget much. that, yeah. I mean, um, go listen to Goody Mob and... You, don't you, let that taint your... You actually recently, you're a contributor to National Public Radio, you recently did a piece with uh, Bun B from UGK, who's been a guest on The Sound of Young America, talking about how important uh, Goody Mob's album Soul Food was. Um, taking that, exam- th- that album as an example, what was special about that record that made it uh, a record that established Southern hip-hop nationally? Well, I think it was one of the first records from the South that got distribution i mean like i'm from new jersey originally so it was, it was one of the first that i was aware of and was defiantly southern there's southern rappers before that who were making music in the style of new york rap but this was music that was like kind of you know like plenty of people just were like i don't even understand their accents but you know the emotion came through and their ideas which i mean these are 17 year old guys talking about like you know interracial politics and socioeconomic issues and just breaking down like what is wrong in society and doing it eloquently and emotionally and yes through very thick southern accents too something uh something i hadn't thought about in a while that came up when you were talking to bun b was the fact that outcast had um right around the same time that soul food was released had won a source award and been booed off the stage in new york um, essentially because they were from Atlanta. Well, it wasn't because they were from Atlanta. It was at the height of, you know, the East Coast, West Coast, whole, that whole ordeal. And 
they weren't from the East Coast, you know, they weren't from New York, so people were like, you know, who are these guys? But yeah, I mean, hip-hop being so regional is also very territorial, you know, and with the, you know, New York and L.A. being the main points of distribution, a lot of other cities just kind of got lost in the shuffle up until recently. I want to ask you a little bit about your approach to blogging. You you mentioned that you post MP3s, and in in the world of hip-hop blogs... Um, the the world is is dominated, I think, uh, these days by blogs like, say, uh, one of the leading blogs is a blog called nawrite.com. Um, and, and the folks there post a million billion things. That's their system. They post any video of Glasses Malone making of his video. They'll post that up there. And they always have the newest thing, um, but they essentially never have analysis, at least now. And they had some before, but they seem to have abandoned it completely. Um, Whereas you will write 10 paragraphs about the MP3 that you posted. Um, Why have you stuck to that system? Well, I mean, I think it's hurt me as far as generating (laughs) income because so much of what makes the web the web is that constant content. You know, people are... A lot of people, I would imagine most of our audience is people who are bored at their jobs and are just refreshing, like, the four blogs they look at waiting for new content. So, like, if I write ten paragraphs on one song that I think is really important and deserves ten paragraphs, you know, SK, who's the guy who runs that's not right, he has just posted ten songs and gotten people to, you know, hit his ads ten times. So, yeah, I mean, but I, like I said, I think those records are important and deserve more of an analysis than just like here's the new joint from glasses malone you've had um you've had artists that you've championed in the past um uh for a while you were running a guest feature uh uh, on the rapper zero uh from uh texas the texas rapper zero a rapper and sometimes singer um where you were posting new zero uh, or your guest blogger was posting new zero every week yeah um just a running feature on what zero was up to this week Um, What gets you excited about a hip-hop artist, the way that you were excited about Zero, or the way I've seen you be excited about, um, uh, you know, some protege of uh, DJ Quick, or, you know, I've seen you post a lot about Sugar Free, for example, a rapper from Los Angeles, where I live. What makes you excited about someone like that? Well, I mean, just to clarify, the Zero column is written actually by a reader who... He was the enthusiastic one to the point where, where whenever I would post music that wasn't by Zero, he'd be like, man, why didn't you post any Zero? <laughs> and I just had to be like, I just have to be like, eventually I just caved in. I was like, all right, take your space once a week. You can post as much Zero as you want. And like, <laughs> but yeah, like Zero is an incredible rapper and deserves that attention as well, I think, though. And I don't know. I guess I look for originality in artists. I look for honesty, you know, thoughtful execution. Those are interesting qualities because, um, um, you know, I had, I had Feral Manch on the show a couple months ago. And w- one thing that he talked about, he's, he's not a big hip-hop is terrible now these, these days type of guy. But the one thing that he talked a lot about was that, you know, I asked him why Organized Confusion, his group um, in the early 1990s, did things that were so sort of off the wall. And he said basically because if you weren't different than everybody else, you were screwed. And he said it feels like it's sort of the opposite of that now. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. And I think that's why you kind of have to go into 
look for lesser known artists to find it because I mean yeah like acts like organized confusion definitely defined that aesthetic where I was you know growing up I was like I worshipped those guys and I was looking for not when I heard organized confusion I wasn't like let me find another group that sounded like organized confusion I was like let me find another group that sounds this much unlike anything I've ever heard and you know you just you got to work for it a little harder now Recently, um, Sasha Ferrer-Jones, uh, one of our nation's uh, premier music critics, wrote in The New Yorker a really interesting article about hip-hop. Um, and his essential argument, if I can be permitted to uh, summarize it, was that maybe the end of the hip-hop epic was coming. And the basis of his argument was essentially um, that... Uh, hip hop was tending towards a more disco-like, four on the floor, four on the floor club music format, rather than the uh, syncopated coming from soul and R and B format. With the examples being um, Jay Z making a sort of Euro pop song, a horrible, horrible Euro pop song on his new album, and um, Kanye West making an entire record of of essentially, you know, new wavy dance music. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about this whole hip-hop is dead idea? I mean, it's kind of a tired argument at this point, but hip-hop is absolutely not dead. I mean, if we were to go out into the street and pull the headphones off of, like, the first five kids that walk by, probably four of them would be listening to rap music. So, like, I don't think that's even a serious debate. I think what's the point Sasha was trying to make was that he thinks it has kind of ceased to be the primary, like as big of an influence on pop music as it was, and now it's drawing from other forms of pop music. And I think that sort of neglects the fact that hip-hop is always drawn from other forms of pop music. That's what it's built on, you know? I mean, they're drawing on European techno now. It's not like Africa Bambata wasn't sampling craft work. 25 years ago, you know? So I think, yeah, the Euro dance trend in hip-hop is pretty horrible, but I think it's, <laughs> I think it's just that, you know? Like, I don't think, I don't think it, it signifies the end. It's just something that's going to happen for the next 8, 10 months, and then something more interesting will come along. Kanye, Kanye West said something really amazing. Um, Kanye West is always saying something really amazing. <laughs> But uh, Kanye West said something really amazing, I, and I'm going to have to paraphrase f- from memory, but w- when he put out, um, what was it called, Stronger, was that the name of it, or Harder? Stronger, Stronger, yeah. Stronger. his single that sampled uh, Daft Punk, um, he was asked, is it real hip-hop if you're sampling Daft Punk? And he said, I'm one of the, music- I'm one of the beautiful people, and this is the music that we listen to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Are we one of the beautiful people? <laughs> I mean, I don't listen to that song, so I guess not. <laughs> well, Andrew, thank you so much for being yeah, here. It was such a joy to have you. Andrew Nas, ladies Appreciate and gentlemen. <laughs> the Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com. And by Field Notes Brand, makers of American memo books and more. Now featuring county fair editions, one for each state in the United States of America. Field Notes brand. I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. Fieldnotesbrand.com. 
The Sound of Young America is proud to present comedian and podcaster Mike Schmidt in his first ever hilarious one-man show about his consistent and colossal failures in the game of life. The 40-year-old boy, Success is Not an Option, plays at the Dark Room Theater in San Francisco's Mission District on August 20th and 21st. Tickets and more information are available at MaximumFun.org and DarkroomSF.com. You can find Mike online at MikeSchmidtComedy.com.